Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of my podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about Russia and how they will become immensely more powerful with climate change and global warming. For hundreds of years now, the Russian civilization and state has always struggled with three major geographic problems. Most of their land is completely inhospitable, frozen wasteland, which limits their development. Most of their coastline is covered with ice for a majority of the year, which limits their access to the world's oceans. And their borders to the west are on a huge open field that's easy to move soldiers across on either side, which makes them particularly susceptible to invasions coming from the west in Europe. These problems are probably going to become lifted. This is how climate change will likely transform Russia once again into a global superpower. For the vast majority of countries in the world, climate change is going to be an absolute disaster by the end of the century. If you draw a line across the planet along the northern borders of the United States and Canada, just about every place south will be a significant loser by the end of the century. This is because human productivity has been found to be at its highest somewhere between an average annual temperature of 11 and 15 degrees Celsius. Any higher or lower, and productivity for civilization begins to decrease. Right now, this zone for maximum human productivity exists across the continental United States, Europe, Anatolia, China, Korea, and Japan, which helps in part to explain why most modern and wealthy civilizations today exist here. But throughout history, this zone for perfect human productivity has been located elsewhere, and in the near future, it's going to change again, migrating further north. This time, because of global climate change, by the end of the 21st century, it's believed that this productivity zone will instead stretch across the Arctic through Alaska, Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Scandinavia, and most significantly, Russia. As a direct result, the economies of the continental United States, Brazil, China, and the European Union and India will all struggle with adapting to this change, while the economies of the Arctic will be given a tremendous once-a-few-thousand-years opportunity, and none of them are in a better position geographically to exploit this than Russia. Russia controls by far the largest amount of territory in the Arctic. 53% of the Arctic Ocean's coastline is Russia's, and more than half of the Arctic's population lives in Russia. Much of this is taken up by Siberia, Russia's massive and infamously cold Asian territory that accounts for the vast majority of Russia's total land area and roughly 9% of the entire Earth's land area. The average yearly temperature across this region today is just 0.5 degrees Celsius and includes the coldest permanently inhabited place in the planet. In Omyokin, where winter temperatures can plunge to as low as negative 71 degrees Celsius, well below the perfect productivity zone temperatures. Largely because of this, Siberia has been under-inhabited for centuries. Only 33 million people live here today, only one-fifth of Russia's total population, and less than the population of Morocco. But Siberia and Russia's north is insanely rich in natural resources and potential. Perhaps even the greatest concentration of resources found anywhere in the world, and the warming climate zone creeping north is presenting Russia with a never-before-possible opportunity to exploit it. It's estimated that there may exist up to $2 trillion worth of completely untapped mineral resources in the Russian Arctic, in the form of rare earth elements, zinc, iron ore, silver, nickel, copper, coal, 
gold, uranium, diamonds, and much more. As global technology has increased, many of these minerals have become the key components for most of our devices, from smartphones and computers to everyday appliances and even missiles. As Siberia warms and the demand increases, Russia will be increasingly capable of mining more and more of these resources, but their value is completely eclipsed by the next most valuable resource that will be found here, oil and gas. And already, Russia is considered to be one of the world's great energy superpowers. She possesses the world's largest proven reserves of natural gas and is the world's largest natural gas exporter. She is also the world's second largest oil exporter and the third largest oil producer. But it's specifically natural gas that Russia has historically bet the backbone of its economic and geopolitical future upon. Russia is the largest supplier of natural gas to Europe, with Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Austria, Croatia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Hungary, Bulgaria, and Greece importing more than half of their gas from them alone, and Germany, France, and Italy importing further significant amounts. The EU even further imports approximately 30% of their oil from Russia and Russia exports most of these resources directly to Europe through 12 pipelines that act almost like arteries. And most of the gas that flows through these arteries originates in Russia's Arctic, with 85% of it coming from northern West Siberia. Russia's fantastic geographic position enables it to simultaneously supply natural gas directly to both Europe and Asia, which gives it substantial geopolitical pressure to utilize on both continents. The natural gas fields in Western Siberia are believed to be the largest found anywhere on the planet and remain largely unexploited, with tens of trillions of cubic meters of natural gas. However, the Russians can potentially supply enough energy to power the entire European continent with for decades, if ever fully developed, and the warming climate will substantially improve Russia's capability to do so. But arguably even more important than Russia's energy and mineral resources being more exploitable is going to be Russia's increased agricultural potential in a warmer world. The fuel for any civilization or empire throughout history has always been the same, food, and Russia already produces a lot of it. They're the world's largest exporter of wheat, barley, and oats. One-fourth of the entire global wheat market comes from Russia alone. And all of this has simply been by relying on Russia's legacy growing regions in the south and the west. As the world's climate warms and the productivity zone moves further north, much more of Russia's land will open up for even further agricultural production. Estimates published by a team of Russian ecologists in 2019 suggest that if humans continue emitting carbon dioxide at high rates, roughly half of Siberia, or more than 2 million square miles, could become available for farming by 2080, and its human population capacity could jump up to ninefold over what it is today. And once again, Siberia and Russia may potentially exist in the perfect geographic location for the future. Another advantageous factor of Russia's geographic position is that, if willing to in the future, Russia will be in the best position in the entire world to accept millions of climate refugees from the rest of Asia, who could easily be used to settle and populate the vast and currently empty Siberian frontier, and transform it into perhaps the world's greatest economic juggernaut of the late 21st century and the early 22nd. 
Russia's own population is also not as susceptible to the effects of climate change as most other countries are going to be. For example, most of the United States, as large cities are all located on the coast and are going to be susceptible to the effects of rising sea levels, which over decades will probably end up displacing millions of Americans and cost trillions of dollars. Meanwhile, Russia has very few large cities that will be vulnerable to this. Of the top 30 largest cities within Russia, only three of them are located on the seas, St. Petersburg, Vladivostok, and Makachikala. The other 27 are all located further inland, including the capital and biggest city, Moscow, which is over 600 kilometers away from any oceanic body of water. Thus, Russia is going to naturally become the most resilient major country in the world to rising sea levels as well. And much of that has been because of Russia's history, despite having the fourth longest coastline in the world, that's over 50% longer than the coastline of the USA. Russia has effectively been landlocked and isolated from the world's oceans for most of her history. Because most of this long coastline that she has is covered in ice for at least a few months out of the year, during winter. Russia's only continuous ice-free ports year-round are today found in Kaliningrad on the Baltic. In the future, there will most likely be ports made in the north, but this will be halted until the development of modern icebreaker ships. This means that especially during the winter, Russia was always largely landlocked, and even today, Russia only possesses a fleet of 31 icebreakers that can only do so much in so many places. This ice lock curse has prevented Russia from accessing the global oceans and all the benefits that come with it, like trade and power projection, for centuries. But the climate change buff that's coming to Russia this century is all set to finally lift this long historical curse for them once and for all. Because the sea ice of the Arctic is beginning to melt, and fast, historically the Arctic Ocean at the top of our planet is permanently covered in a layer of sea ice, even throughout the summer months, because it's just so cold up there. In 1979, the level of sea ice in the summer looked the same as always, but a few years later in the summer of 2012, scientists recorded that the extent of the sea ice coverage here shrank down to just barely covering the northernmost polar regions with a thin layer, the second lowest ever since records began. And in 2019, it was down to even less, the lowest recording ever taken. It's been found using this data that Arctic sea ice is decreasing at an alarming rate of nearly 13% per year. And given that trajectory, the Arctic will probably be almost entirely ice-free during most late summers as soon as the 2030s next decade. And once again, this will be a huge boom for Russia. Because of this, the Northern Sea Route, or NSR, will be opened up to the world and majorly controlled by Russia. Currently, if a cargo ship wants to transport goods between the busiest port of Asia, Shanghai, and the busiest port of Europe, Rotterdam, the quickest and most efficient way possible is along the traditional Mediterranean Sea Indian Ocean route that flows through the Suez Canal and into the Mediterranean, through the Strait of Gibraltar, and then across the English Channel. This route is 18,000 kilometers long, and it takes roughly 37 days of travel time to transit. 
However, ships traveling along the NSR between Shanghai and Rotterdam would only have to end up traveling 10,500 kilometers and would only take 22 days of transit time to get there. Saving a distance of 7,500 kilometers and 15 days of travel time over the Suez Canal route. Most of the shipping that goes through the Suez today is trade between China and Europe, so this dramatic decrease in time would save Chinese companies billions of dollars in shipping costs and would render the Suez Canal largely defunct and reroute nearly all of its traffic along the NSR instead, which is conveniently located entirely within the Russian exclusive economic zone, which means that Russia will stand a profit immensely off of it through transit fees the same way that Egypt is profiting off the Suez Canal right now. The only problem is that currently the NSR is still almost entirely covered in ice for most of the year and requires specialty icebreaker ships to plow through, which is costly and not very economical. But next decade, as the Arctic Ocean sea ice begins to completely disappear in the summer months, this will change and Russia is going to eat Egypt's lunch. China has already seen the writing on the wall and has invested over $200 billion into Russia's Arctic ambitions, which include developing the NSR into a feasible and usable maritime trade route. The NSR is bringing Russia and China together in a natural alliance, since it means both incredible savings for China and increased revenue and geopolitical influence for Russia. But it goes far beyond just trade. The melting of the Arctic sea ice provides another golden opportunity for Russia and China in the form of submarine high-speed fiber optic cables. If you look at a world map displaying the location of every marine internet cable in the world currently, you will notice an absence in any direct cables between Europe and Asia, which has always meant that data and voice traffic between these continents have been slow when compared to other continents. The melting of the Arctic sea ice will, however, change this reality forever. Russia, with the assistance of China, intends on laying cables in northern Siberia that will finally bridge the digital gap between Europe and Asia, and even further cementing their geopolitical influence on both continents. On nearly all counts, Russia comes out dramatically ahead in the face of climate change. They'll have a dramatically higher capacity for agriculture, they'll be able to sustain a higher population, they'll have access to dramatically more resources in the forms of oil, gas, and natural minerals, they won't need to divert nearly as much money to rise in sea level mitigation, since most of their major cities are located far away from the sea, and perhaps most importantly, their entire coastline will finally be unlocked and usable. After centuries of being useless, which will provide them with enormous access to the new warmer world's oceans and new locations to construct their ports upon. This has been a little bit about Russia, and how they will benefit greatly from climate change. It's scary to see that a country so large and influential benefits so much from events like these that will be catastrophic for the world. This just proves that there's always someone who benefits from disaster, and in this case, it's Russia. If you enjoy learning about topics like these, then definitely keep listening to the podcast. There are many more interesting episodes available and releasing soon. Thank you for listening to this episode, and have a great day.